Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. It's a secular magazine, but they have done some incredible research on the topic of singing. And this is what it says over there. This was taken July 8th, 2016. And this is what, when I got it in. And it said, singing changes your brain. Is there anybody that has stinking thinking? Okay, what's stinking thinking? If what we thought was up on the screen, how many would say all week, how many would just say, I feel so good just to see every thought that went through my brain on the stage? How many could say, no, I don't think so. Come on, raise your hand, wave at me if you can, okay? So anyway, this is what they said. Group singing, what are we doing this morning? Okay, has been scientifically proven to lower your stress, to relieve anxiety, and to elevate endorphin level. Endorphin is a really good word, okay? When you sing musical vibrations, they move through you, altering your physical and emotional landscape. Group singing corporately, for those who have done it, is the most exhilarating and transformative of all. And it takes something incredible, intimate, a sound that begins inside you, shares it with a room full of people, and it comes back as something even more thrilling. Are you ready for this secular? Harmony. In other words, singing will bring us into a greater unity and a greater harmony into a greater oneness. Wow. If there's anything our land, North America, needs today is harmony. And how many know singing is one of those ways? Taking responsibility for wrong behaviors is another one. How many know our land today, listen, listen, it needs healing. But it's not going to come, listen very carefully, it's only going to come one way. It says, if my people... That's all of us in the room. Come on. My people, not the enemy's people. But if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. And then it says, when they humble themselves and pray. And he doesn't stop there. And he says, and seek my face. Come on. And then he says something else. And turn from their wicked ways. It says, then we'll hear from heaven and God will heal our land. We gotta look inwardly, all of us folks. We gotta look inwardly and ask, what attitude's coming forth out of my life? What, what words are coming forth out of my life? Because listen, in the day and hour that we live in today, if we don't know Jesus, come on. Jesus is not some verbal expression. Jesus is a lifestyle. And I, I, I gotta just say it this morning, Jesus was never prejudiced. He doesn't show prejudice. 
Let me just say this. Jesus was not judgmental. Are you all with me right now? So we have to look inside of our hearts and pray for the divides in the nation today. Pray for the divides that are going on. My mentor, Dr. Larry Stockstill, is in Baton Rouge, and many of you are aware. And Jonathan, the next generation pastor, met with some of the leaders of the protest that got on, and they're coming together in an unparalleled way. Now they got over 20 churches working together, okay, to bring reconciliation, to bring a harmony, to bring guys. We have to understand that it's the enemy that wants to work from within our lives, okay? And, and so I'm not here to take sides. I'm not here to, uh, to judge the whole situation. I pray that God's mercy, God's justice, and God's goodness would be for every one of us here. Come on. But I know also that if we'll look in our own slates of our own hearts, God can bring healing to all of us. Amen? And bring healing to the nation. So anyway, back here it says, so it's not surprising that group singing is on the rise. And according to Chorus America, 32.5 million adults sing in choirs up by almost 10 million over the past six years. And it says many people think of church music when you bring up group singing, but there are over 270,000 choruses across the country, and they include gospel groups to show choruses like the ones depicted in Glee to strictly amateur groups like choir, choir, choir. But here's what it is. This is what you need to know. Singing increases the amount of oxygen you take into your body as you take deep breaths. And it produces a feeling of alertness. More oxygen gets to the brain. And as you sing, you articulate and use facial expressions so you improve muscle tones in the face, your throat, your neck, and your jaw, and thereby promoting a youthful appearance. So, so guess what? Guess what? I want to buy that mirror they had at girl time down there. I looked, at, I looked in that mirror, and I didn't have jewelry, okay? But I looked in that mirror, and it's one you get from the circus, I think. Some of them make you look this way. Some of them make you look tall. That one made you look slim. So I bought it for my friend. <laughs> but anyway, how many of you feel good when you look in the mirror? Come on. And, and, and it says, listen, so it'll improve your muscle tones, your face, and it's going to cause you to have a youthful appearance. How many, how many older ones want to look a little more younger in here today? Huh? And then listen to this. It says it improves the muscle tone in the larynx, which singing does. And it also helps to calm snoring. Listen to this. This is the second there, and it says, which improves sleeping. And it counters insomnia, which in turn increases our well-being and health. And I'll give you one more. It says, Singing also improves the muscle tones of your rib cage and in your back and in your abdominal belly and lower. So what does that mean? It even works in belly fat. And it says this here, hang on, it says, because these muscles are involved in controlling the outflow of air and it stabilizes the larynx as you, as you sing. How many want to hear a few more? Okay, singing stimulates your thyroid gland and it helps to balance your metabolism. God, get it in high gear because, man, it burns fat. 
Singing also encourages to strive to improve your health by enhancing your awareness of your body. Hang on. Perhaps the greatest physical benefit from singing is that singing gives you a molecular massage. Singing shakes, it vibrates, and it resonates your very core, promoting detoxification at a subatomic level. I don't know about you, but WCF, let's not take it for granted. We sing because he's worthy. We sing because he's honored. We sing because he rose from the dead and he's a great God. The love of God was prevalent in the generosity that they had shared one with another to the hurting church at Macedonia. You know, how many love the grace of God? Come on. I remember 40, over 40 years ago now when I heard this here said, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of works lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. I remember that. Prior to that time, I was always trying to do good and do enough to try to earn the merits with God. Then I recognized that day, 40 years ago, changed my life, that it was God's gift. Jesus did not die in vain on the cross. He went there for guys like Rick. He went there for gals like you. He went there for all of us. And the truth is, there's not a one of us any better than one another. You're not better because of the color of your skin. You're not better because of your nationality. You're not better because of your age. You're not better because of where you were born, and you're not better because of any of that. We're better because of what Christ did, because he changed us from the inside out. And uh, we decree that WCF, amen, we call the things that be not, come on, as though they already are. You know what I say about you every day? How many want to hear what I say? Okay, my Bible says that this is what I start my day off. When I be begin to go into that, I go in with thanksgiving to God for all the things he's done inside of my life. I just cover that and permeate the atmosphere with God. In the first part of my day with gratitude. Then, then I go in this here. Colossians 3, it says, make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I start my day That's the verse that I start, and then, then I go in and I say, Rick, this, this is just what I speak. How many believe I have a little bit of passion? This is what I say every day. Rick is passionate for the presence of God. Rick is conscious of the Holy Spirit's leading in all truth. Rick is a unity player for kingdom purposes. Rick is a lover of his wife and family. Rick is a generous and cheerful giver. Rick is a deeply devoted lover and follower of Jesus. And Rick walks in divine health and divine prosperity. I started, I speak things for Kathy every day, speak things for my children and grandchildren every day like it, but this is what I say about you. How many want to hear what I say about you? WCF is ablaze for the things of the Spirit of God. WCF is living in a constant state of revival. 
WCF is influencing and impacting our city and our nation by love and good works. To, to all of you that may not be aware, um, thank you for your kindness and writing and calling and letters that I personally received of Bill C-14. Five weeks ago when this all came, we hit it at the church. Because of the response of you and the other parts of the body of Christ all across our land, we motivated other whole networks of churches to get involved, to write and to petition. And because of it, the health care workers, the doctors and nurses are protected now that they do not have to assist in suicide, okay, within our land. So we don't just speak words, we actually believe that. WCF is living and walking in the divine favor in the protection of the Most High God. WCF is creating an atmosphere for the Shekinah glory of God, the manifested presence of God to break out. WCF is a united team, a faithful team, a committed team, and a loyal team. WCF staff is positive, uplifting, generous, caring, and dedicated to the work of God entrusted to us. WCF is a dream house, a place where dreams will take on reality. And WCF is known across the nation as a church that reverences God and walks in the fear of God daily. I close with all my, these are what I speak every day, and I close with this. I say, Father, thank you that you hear the cry of my heart. Father, thank you that things are changing in the home, in the church for the better. Thank you, Father, that daily the flesh, demonic, and pride is being scattered and shattered of marriages, families, and church. Thank you, Father, that we as a couple are committed to your work, your heart, your desires, and your goodness daily. In Jesus' name, his might, his authority, his power, amen, so be it done according to my faith. Been doing a series on faith without works is dead. And the title of the message is called Faith Without Corresponding Actions is Dead. I have a couple videos we want to play, but I'm probably not going to get through to those. I want to give my condolences to Terry Bellow on the passing of her husband, Bernard Bellow. Bernard passed away on Sunday last week. In the afternoon, the visitation and funeral took place this Thursday. Terry's been a, just a great encouragement to myself, Kathy, and to this here church. And so... We give our condolences to you, Terry, if you're with us or if you're at the first. We want to go right into God's Word today, and I want to talk to you about the heroes of faith from Hebrews 11. But how many know when you look at the exploits and you look at what these people did, you look at how they responded, it's totally, totally amazing. But there's also 10 chapters before Hebrews 11 that have warnings in them. And those warnings were to all of us that are at WCF. Many know WCF has been around for the last 34 years. We're going to be going into our 34th year this fall in just a few months away. And the book of Hebrews was actually written to people who were likely second-generation Christians who are still struggling with the tensions that they were between the traditions of Judaism and the teachings of Christianity. Many of these new believers and older believers had currently or at one time relatives who had seen Jesus as a false teacher, as a false prophet, not the Messiah. That's how they had saw them because of their traditions. And then after periods of time, many of them came into the faith. We can read that all through the history book of the book of Acts. But we also see that they would have family and friends reject them. Temptations would have been great to slip back into the traditions of the past 
in light these Hebrew writers include five warnings in the epistle that they actually gave. And I really believe they're very relevant today because we don't want to just be a church that talks faith. We want to be a church that demonstrates our faith. We want to be known as a church across this year land just as the confessions of faith that we do, that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're actually doers of the word of God. And it's not just for an isolated few, but it's for every one of us in the room. The Bible teaches us the teachings that Jesus spoke in his longest, in, uh, longest discourse that actually introduced the time frame of history that we live in was in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. It was all one discourse, four complete long chapters that he actually spoke about the person and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he said in John 14, 15, he says, if... And one of those if is on supposition that, condition that. It says, if you love me. Is there anybody that loves Jesus in here? Okay. He tells us, if you love me, he simply says, obey my commands. We do the word of God by simply acting on its teaching. If we are not daily acting on the teachings of Jesus, then literally our life is vain. Our life is not going to produce the fruits that God said we could and that he desires us to have. How many know he, he, he said that this is my will for you, that you would be fruitful? And the prayer that he actually prays that we would abound, that we would have super abundant fruit inside of our lives. So we understand in John 14, he goes on and says, those who accept my commandments, and he says, and obey them are the ones who actually love me. And he says, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself and I will manifest myself to them. How many want God to manifest his life in your life? Come on. This is what he said. Love my, love my word. Love my teachings. Love my saying. And then he goes on in 23 and he says, Jesus replied, all who love me will simply do, do as I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. And anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. So it's not, uh, listen very carefully, not just hearing what he says, but doing what he says. You know, how many know that one of the greatest plagues in our land today is that of hurts today, is unforgiveness today? And we share about this, and we're going to be going into this here in a moment, but a, a doer forgives us, they have been forgiven. A doer of the word is motivated by the love of God. Their love of, their, they do things for God, not to get God's merit and favor because they recognize they have that, to do it because they appreciate what he's done. A doer is one that is, rejects the murmuring spirit. A doer is the one that wants to get rid of the old wardrobe, the slander. He wants to get away with the gossip, the strife, the envy, the hurts. He wants to put that old wardrobe off and put on the new man that's created after God, in true righteousness and holiness. A doer is the one that puts on the new man. A doer is the one that would flee immorality, the works of the flesh, in selfish motivation and ambition. A doer is the one that receives the promises of God and activates them with inside of their life. A doer is the one that's not ashamed to lay hands on the sick. A doer is the one that does not dwell on the past failures, actually does not uh, dwell on the past failures, but dwells on their present position of who God has made them in Christ so that they could show forth his life in and through their life today, as we say it well, the exchange life. A doer shares his faith with others, and a doer is one that actually leads by example 
so that the generations to follow could have a solid foundation for their life. All that being said, cultures, there's cultural shifts and things that are said in one generation that mean something to another generation. As I start this here this morning, I shared in the early service uh, just a saying. I came from the produce industry many, many years back, and in the produce business, we used the word for refrigerated units, okay? A refrigerated unit, okay, is something that we would put the produce in inside the trucks. But it had a nickname that we actually called, and it was a reefer unit, okay? So I just used the word reefer in the first service. And so I got all these texts coming in like crazy, and it's like, you got a marijuana storehouse inside of here over here. And it's like, no, that's not what I meant. So how many know culturally to the generation today, they think we have a storage unit of marijuana out here now? I'm saying that's not what I meant in any way, but how many know they heard something, come on, and interpreted with their mind because they don't know anything about 40 years ago what a reefer unit was. So in the same respect, but how many know the warnings that God gives? They trend and send cultures. They trend and send generations. And, and, and they're true for all generations. So, but I want to focus today on all of us that are here today because many know that our children are, are in the church, many of them. We have several sons that are in, in law enforcement. We have Gary, Tara's husband, that is with the RCMP out in Surrey, British Columbia. Port Coquillum is the exact area. And many know that Tim is with the uh, law department over there, Niagara Regional. He's over there with them there. So, so this message is going to transcend all generations. Amen? But the ones we want to zero is, how many know that the first generation is excited about what God has done here? And so this is who he was writing over to now, the next generation that's picking up the baton, that's going to move and do even greater works than we have seen in the first generation. So the first warning that he gives, now what does the word warning actually mean to all of us today? If you see a stop sign, how many know that's a warning to stop? So if you just zip through the stop sign, how many know, okay, something happens, you had the warning, but you didn't heed the warning. How many know if you heed the warnings, it would probably do well for all of us? Okay? So my first warning that I want to talk about is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse number 1. I'll give you the whole chapter 1 in a summary. The, the Jewish nation at this here time, the Jewish people, okay, really reverenced Moses greatly, but it spoke about the superiority of Christ over Moses. Okay? And then it spoke over angels because they understood angelology. All of them had known the angel Gabriel. Daniel spoke about his writings out there. They knew the, the warring angel out there, Michael. They were very familiar with angels. And it spoke about Christ and his work and the superiority over angels. There's many Christian camps today that put Christ in the category of angels. And so he's addressing all this here of the superiority of Christ over all these others. And then he goes on and says, are they not all ministering spirit sent forth to those that are heirs of salvation? So you and I are the heirs of Christ and his salvation. And we can activate angels by the words that we decree and speak out of our mouth. 
because angels are given, they're, they're not over us, but angels are given to what? To minister, to help, to aid uh, you and I that are salvation. When Jesus is in the garden, and how many know when he sweat great drops of blood, how many know angels actually came and ministered strength unto him so that he could take the next step out there? Well, there's angels that are here today that I believe are given to protect, angels given to preserve, but we need to activate them, and gratitude sets the pathway for angels to come in. Murmuring sets the pathway for the demonic to come in. So I say all that there to say chapter 2 goes into the next, to the first warning that he gives, and it's the warning of neglect. Has anybody ever neglected your home? Anybody ever neglected your yard? Has anybody ever neglected your vehicle or neglected your own self? And when you neglect, how many of you let things go? And I'm not here to develop all the aspect of the reasons why or the circumstances that might hit, but you can go into areas and you'll see homes that are very neglected. So what does it mean? They're, they're just run down. There's weeds. There's things that are going up all over them. It really doesn't matter the neighborhood that we live in. We can make that area look good with the house that we have. So if it needs a fresh coat of paint, we can put a fresh coat of paint on there. If it needs some weeding in there, we can take care of it. Come on, church. But how many know when we neglect... It's because we've let something go that's within our ability to make improvements on. So the first warning to the New Testament church is neglect. Are you all there? And this is what the writer says, Hebrews 12. So we must listen very carefully to the truths that we have heard or we may drift away from it for the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore the great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him? So what's the first warning over here is that we can drift away. So to the second generation... He's saying, be careful that you're not drift away from your faith. Because how many know when you're drifting sometimes, you don't even realize how far you are going? And so the writer's saying over there, listen, he said, don't drift away. There's a warning over here. Don't allow neglect inside of your spiritual house. Don't allow neglect to come in to your life. In other words, the easiest way I can say it is, don't let down your guard at this here time. Because there's something that happens oftentimes to second and third generation is we're trying to live on the coat skin. We're trying to live on the miraculous of what happened in the earlier days. And God said, no, no, no. Those are all good, but it's what I'm doing today. Now faith is the substance of things. It's present tense. It's here right now. And the miraculous that I did then was wonderful. But listen, we want stories every day of what God is doing today. But if we drift and allow ourselves to drift Kathy and I were over in Fort Lauderdale, and we were at the beach one day. And this is when we got married. I'll never forget, we drifted out. We got on, these, on those, on those uh, plastic rafts, those little things, you know? I mean, they're really thick. No, no. And I remember we were out there. We were having a, just, just a good time. We were out there, and, and we were holding hands in the water, and, and she's on hers, and I'm holding mine. And then we swam a little bit, went out there, and then for a little while, we drifted way out. Okay, we're out there in the ocean out there, and all of a sudden, we hear all this screaming. And so everybody's, there's nobody in the water, and everybody's on the beach. And then we saw the little fin. 
we drifted and weren't even aware of what was going on. All of a sudden, I never saw my wife move so fast. <laughs> I mean, I knew she could swim, but I knew now she could swim. That girl's going, okay? And I'm going, okay? And then we found out, you know, afterwards, everybody, they cleared the whole beach. But we were drifting out there. How many know when you're drifting, sometimes you can get into dangerous waters? You can drift in your marriage. You can drift in your relationships. You can drift from your church. You can drift from, come on, your connection point with God. And not even aware, because it works so subtly and it pulls you away. That was the warning number one to the church. Warning number two, and I'm going to have to go through these here quickly, is a hardened heart. I want you to go to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Now, when you speak of evil today, okay, uh, sometimes the way we as believers will interpret things is evil is that group or evil is this or evil is, you know, a destruction that took place. But when God speaks of evil, he actually made reference to it even to his people here. And I'm going to tell you, so just hang on. And I'm just going to read his word because how many know his word is the authority, not Rick? And so his word says, within context, these are all warnings to you and I. He says, warning number two is, be careful. Hebrews 3.12, if you want to put it up. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. And what does he say? Come on, make sure, come on church, that your own hearts are not evil in what else? And unbelievable. Notice, notice how he puts that there. Turning you away. Come on, from the living out. Well, you can't turn away if you hadn't been. So all I'm going to say is there's a warning over here to guard your own heart. Now, I'm going to tell you how you don't guard your heart first, and then I'll tell you how to guard it. You don't guard your heart by watching everybody else's heart and judging everybody else's heart. If you're already watching everybody else's heart and judges everybody else's heart, how many know you're not taking care of your own heart? Because if you're taking care of your own heart, you'll find out you got enough to take care of yourself. How many can relate with what I just said? Okay, so what happens is the enemy will get you to focus in on somebody else's actions or somebody else's heart rather than take a look at your own heart. Isn't it amazing when the 12 spies went into the land, God already told them, you know, this is the land I've given you. This is the land that's full of milk and honey. They came back, the 12 spies, and two of them had a good report, and 10 of them had an evil report. What report permeated into the multitudes? What was the evil report? We are not able. And God already told them that they were able. And Joshua and Caleb said, you're more than able. And let's go in now. And guess what? For 40 years, he ended up doing funeral services. And they never came into the land of rest. They never came into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. But a whole generation, 20 and up, listen, all died off before the new generation came in. So the warning over here is so critical for all of us today is to watch and to guard our hearts. Let me just state it as simple as I know. Make allowances for one another's faults. Didn't say make excuses, but make allowances for one another's faults. Come on. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Now, here, if we don't do that, then our hearts are deceived. Now, now hang on. Deception is very subtle because when it's happening, okay, we don't see it. Just like drifting, we don't see it. But in this here respect, if we are hearers of the word and we don't apply what we hear to our lives, then we actually open ourselves up to deception to actually come in. 
Let me give you an example of deception. When you go to a circus or you came to the, um, uh, to the store over here that they had here for the Women's Life Center, they had jewelry that they had. And they had one of those mirrors that was there. And I didn't know it was one of those mirrors, but it, it made you look a little bit slimmer than you were. So I didn't buy jewelry, but I went and looked at them. Man, I'm going to get that for my house. I like that. I, it looked really good. It sold a lot of jewelry. Now I say all that, you can go and you can be this here tall at mirrors and they can make you look up. But how many know a real mirror is a direct reflection of what's going on? And the Bible, listen carefully, it tells you exactly what's going on, but it says it's like looking in the mirror and then you turn away and you don't do what you heard. It said you're deceiving yourself, you're seeing another image, but it's not the you that's there. And so he said that's how deception comes in, is we don't do it. I've learned, I've learned long, long time ago that whatever God says we want to do, if God says go and make peace with the family member, with the friend, with the coworker, with somebody, and I don't, then I'm going to miss out on being a recipient of the greater good. I've learned that in the same respect, if God says, don't hang around with this type of person, and what's the type of person that he tells you not to hang? Well, you can read 1 Corinthians 5. You can read uh, 1 Corinthians 3. You can read the same verses that I can read. How many know there's, there's people that are bent on destruction, bent on revenge, bent on causing pain, bent on evil? Come on. And there's people that are not the best influences in your life. And God says, if they are, and you open up to them, then whatever spirit's in operation in them, it now has a legal point of entry into you. Let me, can, can I just be real straight? I've seen husbands and I've seen wives that were perfectly content in their marriages. And their best friend or a good friend went through a terrible divorce and this and that. And the, instead of contented, instead of being fulfilled, instead of working at their marriage, working at their relationship, they started taking an attitude. The enemy's no respecter, so it works both ways. And then they go to these divorce celebration parties. Hmm? And when you do, you're now in a different playing field, and you don't realize that the same hardness of heart that got in, because that's why divorce comes, now has a legal point of entry into your heart. And next thing you know, you'll start finding things wrong with your man or your woman. Come on. And you'll start tearing them apart. You'll start, because there's a spirit that's involved that you don't even recognize, but you gave it a legal point of entry. And then, then years down the line, months down the line, you have a hardened heart and you don't even realize it, okay? How about this here? God tells you, don't eat that food. It's not good for you. Well, you know, God, you know, we're going to eat. Don't eat that food. It's not good for you. And you know what? You just do what you want to do anyway. And don't want to make any changes in your diet. Don't want to make any changes. And then 10 years down the line, you got all kinds of health issues. God, I'm believing for divine healing. Uh, I've been telling you for 10 years to make a change. And then you get mad at the preacher because he's telling you. 
Come on, church. How many know what I'm talking about right now? But, but, but guess what? We don't even realize. He said, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So if you hear it and then you don't apply it, you're hardening your heart and you don't even realize it because it just doesn't get hard overnight, but it's a gradual process that takes place. And then you sing that song, we've lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. Everybody stand up for a moment. Come on. God, I repent. My evil heart. My hardened heart. I repent for drifting away. Going my own way. God, forgive me. And help me to forgive others. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Are we doing okay so far? Number three, very, very quickly. There's so much I could say about point two on an evil heart, but I want to get into faith, amen? So number three is, has anybody ever been called, you cry, baby? Has anybody ever said, just grow up? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody said, you're so immature. How many know when you're young and you hear those kind of things, you get ticked off? Because how many know when you're younger, you want to be older? And then when you're older, you want to be younger. (laughs) Come on, how many know that? It's like really crazy. It's like we just, like, what is going on here? You know, one of the things I hated when I was younger is, you know, you have a baby face. It's like, I hated that. Now it's, it's good, okay? Cause, but back then, you hate it. Come on. So how many like to be called immature? Do you tell a kid, just grow up, and they just get ticked off at you? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? So the next warning goes here. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, God's Word tells us to grow up. God's word says, you know, you're a child, you're immature, you're, you're, you're just, you fight, you strive, and all these sort of things. So it says over there, immaturity, and look at it in Hebrews 5, 11, it says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Okay, how many have ever had a sharp knife? And how many know you cut that knife on a wood block or plastic block, whatever kind of block you have? How many know over time that blade's going to get a little dull? So what do you do when it gets a little dull? How many know it takes effort to sharpen it? But how many know that if you don't sharpen it, it's going to get duller and duller and duller, and it's going to be very hard to cut? In the same would say when it says, cut off, put away the old man, if you got a dull knife, you're not going to be able to do that. And it says, and, and why, why did it come? Because you didn't listen. And then it says in verse number 12, just, just keep going right down if you can over here. This is so good. Everybody say it. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be. Did you know every one of us has a responsibility, second generation, to teach the new generation? So you say, I don't know the word of God. Okay. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's words. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. So God's saying, you're so immature. Grow up. Come on. And this isn't, listen, this isn't written on believers. It's talking about to you and me. Okay, he said, whereby there's envying and there's strife, you know, always wanting somebody else's position, always wanting what somebody else has, and all that contention that goes around that there. Come on. God says, you're, you're little children, you're little babies. 
He's saying, grow up today. Good preaching. Go to the next verse. Then, then, then look what he says over there. This is so amazing. For someone who lives on milk and is still what? An infant doesn't know how to do what is right. To the second generation believers, he's writing this. I wonder how many second generations are here. It should be teaching. Should be leading. Should be taking their gifts and pouring into the children in here. Pouring in with youth. Pouring into some area of ministry. Discipling. And yet we've neglected it. We've neglected it because we've had oftentimes hardened hearts. And maybe just this July in the middle of summer when most people are, a lot of people are away. We're sharing this here today. But solid food is for those who are, come on, mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I'm going to tell you a, a simple observation I have made. It's people that are seeking after higher truths and new revelation and new, and they haven't applied the old, they actually up getting stomach cramps because they're not able to digest because their digestive system isn't able to devour it. And it's just a matter before they take a real thick steak and it just chokes them and then they're not able and then they get off in left field. Seen it many times over my 40 years on this here path. Let's all stand up and say, God, forgive me of immaturity and help me to be a doer of the word that I can grow up I can mature, I can work through issues, work through strife, work through envy, and be on the path with you. Go to the next one very quickly. Go ahead and be seated. The next one to me is probably, and, and I, I believe every one of these, the drifting leads, if it stays that way, to the hardness of heart that leads to immaturity. I believe that. But then this next one, Hebrews 10. How many know Hebrews 11 is the chapter of faith? Come on. Hebrews 10, 32 tells us, listen, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. You know, Marilyn Hickey, I wrote her the other day and just, just thanked her for helping me lay the right foundation inside of my life. Stay true to the Word of God. Many, many. I just met a couple in the visitor's room who goes to her, her old church. If you call the happy church, it's now a different church. With her husband, I said, how's Wally doing? He said, he passed away three years ago. And Marilyn's going on. She, she laid the foundation. I got her tape on called Foundation of Christian Doctrines. And just devoured it and lived it over and over and over and over and got those truths inside. She weaned me in these here things. She had incredible, simple revelation of applying the scriptures inside. She's 83 and still going strong. She, she's ministering in Pakistan right now. She's just, just an amazing, amazing woman of God. But I say all that, he says, think back on the early days when you first learned about Christ. How many know in the early days? Now, he's writing to the second generation. I remember people, man, they were, there was such a hunger, man. They wanted to get as close to the front as they possibly could. Then I've watched over 40, I've watched over the last 30-some years how, how people... They come to a place, listen carefully, where whether it's hardness or whether it's a, a bad marriage or bad circumstance, whatever, and then, then they, they were in the front, but then they go to the second or third row. Then they go to the middle of the church. And then they go to the back of the church. All those in the back of the row, I love you. <laughs> and there's some watching even by live stream that ain't in the back, they ain't in no church. 
And maybe God's just using this here today that we have to examine what's going on. So this is the warning. It says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ and remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. I, I remember the history of WCF that we, we were labeled as a cult over here. We were labeled as heretics. We were labeled as people that sacrificed animals over here and drank in the blood. And I mean, we had reputation over in this here community that people spoke against this evening and never even had been here. I remember one guy said he came back and, and he said they have new dancing over there at WCF. It was the biggest spurt of church growth we ever had. I mean, everybody wanted to find out what's going on in there, the sickles and everything else. Then he came in and got saved. Amen. Come on. And it started, it started from gossip of a message that I did about being empty naked before the Lord. That everything's as well. And by the time it got to 60 people, they had new dancing on Wednesday night. So. Hallelujah. Isn't that good advertisement? Come on. That's why the Bible says, Blessed are you when men speak all manner of evil against you falsely from my name. So if it's a lie, how many know it's, it's some of the lies so fabricated it brought you to church here? You see how crazy we really are? No, okay. But listen what he said over there. He said, You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. My Bible says they actually took joyfully the spoiling of their goods. And you can look in nations of the world today, Bhutan, you can look in nations, Pakistan, you can look in nations, Saudi Arabia, you can look in nations, Iraq, you can look in nations, Syria today, where they lost everything that they had. Their homes, but they couldn't take it out of here. And so oftentimes we're more concerned about getting everything back than we are about the believers that lost everything they had. And the Bible says that we're to be co-participants co to help them in any way we can. The Scripture's really quiet in here. And we think we're exempt to that in North America. And the greatest burden of my heart is to wake up a church today. Wake up the body today to what's actually going on in the world that we live in today. Prophetically, if we believe that Canada is exempt from all this here, we're the most deceived of all nations today. So do not throw away, because you read your Bible and you'll see different. But we're not exempt from the move of God. We're not exempt from the glory of God. We're not exempt when darkness covers the earth and gross darkness to people, that His glory shall be seen upon us. I believe we have a destiny to manifest the glory of God in our everyday lives, personally and corporately together. And he goes on and says, so do not throw away the confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. And then you'll receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, uh, he, he says, I will come. Coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones with souls who will be saved and delivered. Amen. So how many know we receive the incorruptible, the engrafted word of God that's able to deliver our souls as we renew our minds to the purpose and plan of God for our lives? So the next warning is very falling away and cast away our confidence in God. The emphasis is that God is faithful, and we need to understand that aspect of his character for our lives. I'll tie it in with the last point that I want to bring is the last one, and it jumps right after 
the great heroes of faith because all the great heroes of faith also had some challenging times inside of their lives. And some of the ones Gideon didn't finish well, and you can read that in the scriptures and others. So he goes and he warns about what can happen to all of us. And that's in Hebrews 12. So let's just close with this last warning here. Is anybody getting anything out of this here? And so we're going to repent in just a moment of the last two points of casting away our confidence. But in Hebrews 12, 14, this is right after the amazing chapter on faith and all the heroes of faith. So look what he tells over here. Come on, church, come on. So you and I, come on, say, what's it say? Work at living in peace with how many people? Okay, there's a tendency today with some of the teachings going on that there's no work. I'm gonna tell you what, my Bible tells me to work because I can't have peace if I don't work at it. I can't get along with people if I don't work at it. And Scripture says, as much as lieth in me, let us live peaceably with all. In other words, we make the effort to have peace. And, and the warning that Peter gave us, that many don't like today, is that it says when he comes, he says, will we be found peace in the earth? Will we be found at peace with one another? So that means there's going to be chaotic, there's going to be challenging times, but he says, work at living, come on, at peace with how many people? And it says, work at living what else? So if we're taking the positional truth and not applying the temporal truth into our everyday life, we're deceived as they come. For those who are not holy, come on, will not see the Lord. And then look what he says over there, the last thing. Look after each other that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. What does he say to watch out for? My heart breaks right now. I came back three more officers were just shot. I guess if you had a son that's there every day, maybe you'd feel that. But if also if you had a son that was shot for no reason or for whatever reason, you would be that way too. So my heart goes on both sides. That's why we got to get the evil out as believers so that reconciliation can come in for all of us. Are we all there? And probably do us all well to zip our mouths and start praying one for another as a church and start praying because the only thing God says he'll heal the land and the only way he can. I'm I'm not gonna develop this one, but if you're a Canadian, why are you so involved in American politics? praying for our nation and praying for what's going on over here. We'll just throw that one out. He said, beware lest the root of bitterness and I'm conscious of the time. I've realized that bitterness with these issues can be a seed that the enemy sows on all of our hearts. And if we don't judge our own hearts and uproot the things that want to get in there and get those weeds out and and get the stuff out of our hearts. I believe the greatest thing we have going for us is the love of Jesus. But if we get out of love, then you can have all the faith in the world and it's not gonna work. And a bitter man, a bitter woman does not have faith operating in their life. It's, an, it's impossible. There's a root. Like most plants, little roots of resentment and bitterness usually lie down the surface where they remain unseen. But there they begin to spread and grow 
going even deeper and deeper. You look at the redwood trees. The redwood trees have a very shallow root system, very shallow. And yet these skins can go towering, towering today. Go to California and say, I lived out there and see them. But all the roots, they intertwine one with the other. And they work in perfect unity. And those, those western, those winds can come off the, Atlant, off the Pacific Ocean and blow against those trees. But because they're tied together, they're not going to be uprooted in any way. In the same respect, if allowed to continue, roots of bitterness will eventually eat away at your very heart and spirit until they will finally devour and destroy you spiritually and ultimately leaving you dead and virtually useless to the Lord. Bitterness is very much like the South American vine known as the matador. Beginning at the foot of a tree, the matador vine slowly works its way to the top. But as it grows, it kills the tree and when at last the top is reached, it sends forth a flower to crown itself. The matador literally means, are you ready? Killer. Bitterness may appear harmless when it's small, but if allowed to grow, its tenderness of resentment, malice, and hatred soon class themselves around the heart and eventually kill the soul. That is why God's word says, let us, New Testament church, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. Ephesians says that's what the lesson is all about, how to recognize, deal with, and get rid of the daily roots. What are we to do? Lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily beset us. Let's stand. God, let's lift up our hands. God, forgive us. If we fail to lose our confidence... If we've lost our confidence, then help us to get it back. It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We repent of any fear in our lives. We repent of any insecurity in our lives, any ongoing worry and anxiety that we've allowed in our lives. God, forgive us today. And God, if we've allowed any matador inside of our hearts that even the slightest root is there by your grace we release it we uproot it we pluck it out today and if those roots have been there for a while we cut them off today because they're not going to bed we're not going to lie down tonight with unresolved issues in the depths of our souls Today is a new day. Today is a day of release. And today is my breakthrough. Out of hell's grip and into heaven's grip. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen and amen. Now, next week, we're going into chapter 11. But heed the warning of drifting. Heed the warning of an evil heart. Heed the warning. Come on, church. Heed the warning of growing up. Heed the warning of not losing your faith, your confidence. And heed the warning of every trap and snare the enemy sets for my life and sets for your life. You are officially dismissed. We love and appreciate you all. But get it right inside of your life today and watch what God does inside of your life. Glory to God.